to Command Line TV. This is a video podcast designed to help you learn the Unix shell. I'm Chris League. I'm a professor of computer science at LIU Brooklyn. And with me is my co-host, Christian Lopes. Tell us a little about yourself. My name is Christian Lopes. I'm currently an undergraduate at LIU Brooklyn studying computer science. I've always been interested in computers and tinkering with things, so I'll be learning along with our viewers today. Great. Let's begin by discussing the scope of what we're going to do here. Um, we're going to learn about shell commands available on Linux and Mac OS X, not so much the Windows command prompt. Um, a little bit about my technological biases and where I'm coming from. I've been a full-time Unix user since the early 90s. I've used Linux quite a bit since then, um, and also part-time on Mac OS X. What's your background with tech? Uh, my background is primarily with, with Windows, um, but I did start using Ubuntu Linux on a spare laptop. I know that we use shell commands and pro a lot of programming commands, so I'd like to understand more about how they work. Great. That's what we'll be doing. So I guess my first question would be, why would you use a Linux terminal as opposed to a desktop environment? Yeah, it's kind of unusual um, these days to stick to a, a command terminal. Um, it's not the easiest thing to learn, but it gives you a lot of flexibility, power, and precision. So any commands that you type on a command line can be almost as easily scripted and automated so that you can take your workflow and automate a lot of things, which I think is a pretty great way to work. Also, when you control things from the command line, it can be configured endlessly and adapted to the way that you like to work. Desktop environments and graphical applications are often called um, WYSIWYG, which is uh, what you see is what you get. And that's a positive to some extent because you know when you're dealing with a graphical program, you want to see what you're producing. Um, but another way of thinking of that is what you see is all you've got. And so the power of those types of programs can be limited by having to manually select and click on things and, and work with menus. Um, so those type of apps have their place. I, I probably wouldn't create um, graphics for a website using only the command line. I certainly wouldn't edit a video using only the command line. But there are command line tools for doing image processing and video transcoding, and I use them all the time because we can automate them. Um, so we're going to look at some of those commands later on as we get a little more advanced. Also, Unix is often used in server situations. So um, the Unix machine is just in a data center somewhere. It's not something where there's even a, a monitor or a keyboard attached to it. And so a graphical desktop environment would be a waste of resources. You can log into that machine remotely and just get the command prompt and it's very simple. Um, to take care of things that way. Also, most of the software on Linux is free, so once you start using it, you become part of that big community. Yeah, free software. It's contributed by lots of people around the world. And so um, the goal of this podcast is to help our viewers become adept at the command line and to join in this community of people that are, that are users and power users, developers, although you don't have to be a software developer to be interested in this. Um, and that's what we'll do. All right, well, let's get hacking. <laughs> so I guess the first thing we should learn is how to actually access the command line that we'll be working in. How do we do that using a Mac like we are now? So in the Finder application, which is your basic file explorer, 
On the Go menu, it refers to a folder called Utilities. Within the Utilities folder, you can find an app called Terminal, and when you open that, it gives you this little window with your prompt in it. Um, there are other terminal programs available for the Mac. Some people might prefer them over the one that's built in. One that I've used is called iTerm. They just have different minor capabilities and we can discuss those differences at a later time. So I'm going to actually log in here as a different user so I can have an environment set up strictly for this podcast and let's not worry about what that command is at the moment. Um, you can make your terminal font bigger or smaller by using command and plus or minus. And then we're also going to go full screen so that we aren't distracted by other pictures and things. And we're starting out here with this prompt. What does all this mean? Well, the first part of it, uh, Agnor? Yeah. That would be the computer's name. It's just a reference to what the computer is labeled as when it communicates with other machines on the network. Uh, after the colon, you have the tilde, which just represents the home directory that the computer is in. Right. And after that, you have what we see here, CLTV, which is the user that we are currently logged in as. And then the dollar sign just means that um, I am, the, the terminal is here waiting for me to type a command. That dollar sign is kind of interesting because when you do things as an administrator, um, as like the super user of the system, then that often will change to a pound sign. And that's your indication that when there's a pound sign there, it means that the commands can have a greater effect on the system. I can do a lot more things in that case because I'm the administrator. What about Linux systems? Would you access the terminal in the same way? It's very similar, um, but there's not a whole lot of uniformity in the Linux world. There are a ton of different Linux distributions, and we'll talk later about the differences between some of them. And even within a distribution, there could be different desktop environments and window managers and terminal programs. Um, so for now, all you want to do is go through your menus to try and find something called terminal. It might be GNOME terminal or console, um, or Xterm is one of the most basic terminals that's available. So if you find a program like that and you get to your command line prompt, that's all we need for, for now. What about Microsoft systems? Yeah, it's not quite the same. There is a command line for Microsoft Windows, and it's the application is called Command Prompt. But it's a completely different language, um, and in my judgment, not nearly as flexible or useful. Um, however, there are some ways to run a Unix-like shell on Windows. One of them, if you're a software developer, is um, you may have heard of the version control system called Git. And when you install Git on Windows, it comes with an app called Git Bash. Bash is one of the Unix shells, and so what it's doing there is it's emulating the Unix environment on Windows so that you can operate Git more efficiently or more effectively. Um, so that has a limited form of the Unix shell that you can use. There's another system you can get for Windows called SigWin. And SigWin is more of a complete command line environment. You can install different applications within it. And um, it's not perfect as far as like an emulation of Linux, but it allows you to do a lot of the same things we're gonna cover on Windows. So we're going to start just by exploring the file system. The files and folders on your system are structured as a tree. Here's a diagram that we've got of a directory tree. 
Um, and this exact set of files and folders can be downloaded if you want to follow along with what we're doing exactly. Check out the link in the show notes for directions for doing that. So what were the first couple of commands we learned for navigating around the file system? I think the first two commands I've learned were cd and ls. Sure, and what, what do they do? What's the difference between them? ls simply lists everything that is in the current directory so you know what's going on, what folders and files you have accessible to you. Mm -hmm. And cd is what you use to either move up and down that file system. Yeah. And just as a note, we're going to use the terms folder and directory interchangeably. They mean the same thing. Directory is just an older school term for it, but a lot of people more familiar with the desktop environments would use folder, and that means the same thing. So at the top of this directory tree, we have the tilde character, which represents our home directory. And two of its subdirectories are CS101 and downloads. So let's say I want to look into that downloads folder. How would I get there? You could do CD and then downloads. Right. So I just type CD downloads, and you see that the uh, part of the prompt here has changed to show me that I'm in the downloads folder. And then I can do LS to show the files within there. So say that we want to get down to this JS folder within Django. How would I get there? Well, the JS folder is three levels down. So using the CD command we learned, we could do CD Django and then CD media, and then finally CD JS. Yep, so that's doing it with three separate commands. Um, and I'm down in that JS folder, which it indicates in my prompt. I'll also point out this command PWD, which tells you the exact path to where you currently are. So what's showing up in my prompt is just the last piece of that, but this shows me the complete uh, path to get there. So that also shows us that we can write these directory names, like when one directory is nested within another, we can separate them with slashes. It can be more convenient to do it all at once. And the way to do that is to just join the directories together with a slash. So I would be able to say cd django slash media slash js. And that's the forward slash, not the backslash. Um, but this won't work from the current place because I've, I'm already in JS, and so there is no Django folder to descend into. Um, so what I'm gonna do first is go back up. Do you remember the uh, command to go back up to a parent directory? Going back up, you would do cd dot dot. Yep, so dot dot goes up one. So I can go back up to media, or you can also combine those together with slashes to get all the way back up to downloads. And then I'll be able to do the cd django slash media slash js. I'm getting back previous commands I typed by just using the up and down arrows, and now that will work just as well. So if you look at our file system tree, js has a sibling directory called css. How would we get to the css directory? Uh, combining the dot dot as well as the cd, we can do cd dot dot mm -hmm. forward slash css. Right. So the dot dot goes up to the parent and then CSS goes down again to the sibling. And now I'm in CSS. On the complete opposite side of our file system tree, we have a file called sys, S-Y-S. How do we go about navigating to that file? So one way is to just go up to the top of the tree and down again. So you can see that it looks like three levels up to your home directory. So if we go up three times from here, now we're in home, but I can just continue from there and do CS101 
hello live sis. So you just trace the path up and down the tree and now I'm over in sis. Um, but another way to do that is you can use that tilde to shortcut directly to your home. So I'm gonna use a command or another form of CD, which is CD dash. And that takes me back to the place I was previously. So now I'm back in templates. And instead of using all those dots, we'll just do CD tilde slash CS101 hello lib sys. And now I'm back there again. So now that we've used CD to navigate to different directories, how would we use the ls command to tell what are, are in all of those directories? So ls lists files and directories in the current directory. Um, but it's a little unclear what's what if you just have a basic ls output like this. So one thing I like to do is there's an option to ls, which is dash capital F. You can't have any space in there. It's got to be dash F. And when I do that, it adds a character to certain types of entries here, which indicates, uh, in this case, that slash indicates that those are subdirectories and everything else that doesn't have the slash is a regular file. So that helps me orient myself a little more in the tree structure. A more detailed version of that is ls-l. This is a long or a detailed listing, and it gives lots of information. The file names are over here on the right side. And then we've got um, some permissions. We'll later, we'll go into exactly what those mean. But for now, you see that the D here corresponds to the directories. Um, ignore that number, we've got a user and a group name, so that's the owner of this file. The file size, and then a timestamp, which is when the file was last modified. So is there an option with the ls command in, or in terms of uh, changing the ordering? Yeah, there are a few ways to change how it gets uh, sorted. So one that is very useful is to sort by modification times, so that's called ls-t. And you might also want to do that with L. So when I combine multiple options together, I can either have them as separate switches like this with a space, or most commands support having them merged together, so it's just, just dash LT. And now what it's doing here is it's showing these um, entries sorted by the modification time. So the most recently modified is at the top. And I often want to reverse that. So if you want to reverse however it's being sorted, you can add an R or dash R to it. And that will um, put those in reverse order. So now the most recent is at the bottom. I find that really useful because a lot of times you'll have more files than fit on the screen, but then the bottom most file that you see is the most recent. So I had a question in terms of case sensitivity. Um, earlier when you went into downloads, you used a capital D when you did CD downloads. Mm -hmm. And then when you did the ls command, you used a lowercase l, but a capital F. Right. Yeah, a lot of uh, the Unix system is case sensitive. So it matters which way you use uppercase and lowercase. And um, that includes for commands. So you can't type capital ls like this to get the ls command. And switches to commands like you noticed here. Um, but also the file and folder names. So. If I go up here again and I try to type downloads, then actually that works on a Mac uh, because the file system on a Mac is not case sensitive, even though 
the Unix shell is case sensitive. So you get some weird artifacts with that. Let me try that again, but this time I'm going to use the tab key. Tab is a way to complete a file name, so you only have to type part of it and then you hit tab. So if I try to type downloads and hit tab with a lowercase d, it doesn't complete because the shell, which is doing that tab completion, knows that nothing starts with a lowercase down like that. Um, but if I do down with a capital D and I hit tab, then it works again. So the strange thing is that although the Mac file system is not case sensitive, the shell that's interpreting your commands still is. And when we switch to Linux next time, Linux has a case sensitive file system, so it's important to be aware of that distinction. So it's pretty simple to access files once we know the uh, correct capitalization and spelling of it. What if we have a file such as command line TV with spaces in it? Yeah, spaces are a real issue in file names because spaces are used to separate the different parameters um, on the command line. And so a lot of people that use the command line have a hard and fast rule. I just never put spaces in file names. I'll use a dash or maybe an underscore. But the real world is messy and sometimes you've got to deal with spaces in file names and directory names. So for example here, I want to CD into command line TV. And one way to do that is to put quotes. It could be a double quote or a single quote as long as it's consistent. And then you type it out with the spaces in it and close the quote. And that allows me to descend into that directory. Um, but another way is with a backslash. So instead of putting the quote, you just start to type it. And again, I'll use tab to do the completion because the tab completion helps me out. What it's going to do is insert these backslashes before each space. And that tells the shell that this isn't really a space that separates the next parameter of the command, but instead it's a space that's part of that same directory name. So that works fine too. So today we covered uh, the CD command, the LS command, uh, a basic introduction to the terminal. What do we have in store for episode two? So next time we're gonna look at how to view different file types from the command line. Um, and also how to construct some very simple pipelines um, in order to view the contents of different things. Um, so see you next time.